Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Well, welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. So glad that once again you are tuning in to this podcast as you and I take a fresh perspective of the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. Now, we're doing that in a chronological way. What that means is we're going sequentially through the life of Jesus. We're jumping through the synoptics. We're jumping through the gospel of John and putting them historically in the right line of order in the way in which they occurred so you and I can enrich ourselves and better understand the context. So today is podcast 45. Today's title is a religious man versus a prostitute. And we'll be looking at Luke chapter 7, 36 through chapter 8, verse 3. Now, if if you've missed any, as always, go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast. All of my notes are there for each podcast that I put up there for you guys, SoundCloud, iTunes, or the platforms. So whatever your choice is and how you download and listen, I just want to thank you guys for continuing to support the ongoing ministry of Stand Strong in the Word podcast. And we're just glad, as always, just to be studying God's Word together. So if you have any questions, if there's any comments, you have info at standstrongministries.org. We'd love to hear from you. Now, if you remember, this is roughly around the time, if you've been following along with the podcast of, of Jesus' second tour of Galilee. Now, if you if, if you and I just want to go back for a moment before we jump into the, the text of today, Jesus had just recently healed the centurion's servant in Matthew chapter 8, 5 through 13. After that, he goes into the little town of 9, and he heals a man. He raises a man from the dead. Remember in Luke chapter 7, 11 through 17. Shortly after that, John the Baptist's disciples come to him and he's, he's doubtful whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus brings assurance to John the Baptist through his disciples in Luke chapter 7, 18 through 35. And then right after that, this is where we're going to be looking at today. Jesus, is, he, he accepts this invitation from Simon to go to his house, and Simon happens to be a Pharisee. Now, in context, this is important because, remember, up to this point, Jesus had already been accused by the crowd several times that he's a glutton, that he's a drunkard, and even the religious leaders were saying that he was demon-possessed. So Simon inviting Jesus over is an interesting tactic of Simon's, and we'll jump into that in a minute. So let's look at Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. Again, this is about a sinful woman who's a prostitute, comes to the house of Simon, who is a Pharisee, a religious leader, because Jesus is there. So in verse 36 of Luke chapter 7, Luke writes, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she heard and learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, man, if this were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, saying to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender 
had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You do not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, Soon afterward, Jesus went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. All right, so there's a lot here. So let's jump right into verse 36 here. We see that Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house to eat with him. Now, in Luke 7, 34, Jesus lists the accusations, as I mentioned before, that the religious leaders had made about him. Remember that he was a drunkard, that he was a glutton, that he was a friend of sinners. So this invitation by Simon may have been a ploy, possibly, to entrap Jesus or somehow figure out a way uh, that Simon is maybe doing some investigative work to, to find out who he really is, right? Because they didn't know besides the fact that they made accusations and they taunted Jesus and many of them might already look for ways to, to kill him. So we don't know if Simon had some ulterior motives here. However, to invite a traveling speaker to eat with you in your home was considered a virtuous act. So perhaps this was something that was offered on behalf of the synagogue service when Jesus was there teaching. Now, notice if you look at verses 37 and 38, here we see this woman comes, a sinner. She comes to wash Jesus' feet. We're told in verse 37, uh, she comes out of the city and she was a sinner. And Luke makes mention of this because he wants to point out that this woman was not just forbidden as a woman to enter a Pharisee's house uninvited, but of all professions, a prostitute, someone who came out of Capernaum. Now, many commentaries, some people think that this was Mary Magdalene or Mary, the sister of Martha. I don't believe that is a case. I think this is a separate woman altogether. Now, this woman learns, this prostitute learns that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, we're told in verse 37 at the, at the very bottom of the verse. Now, this phrase, she learned, speaks to the fact that the woman knew who Jesus was and recognized this as an opportunity to go meet Jesus. Now, remember, this term reclining implies that this is a banquet that's put in honor of Jesus. So it was very customary in that day, especially at a banquet for bystanders or uninvited guests to stand outside the banquet hall to watch important people and listen in on their conversations. So this woman said, hey, Jesus is here. I know exactly where Simon's place is. He's a prominent figure, religious leader, right in our city. And I'm going to go 
and I'm going to wash Jesus's feet. Now, we're told that she brings alabaster flask of, anoint, of, of ointment. This is a very costly perfume vessel that was made of glass. You see this in Mark 14, verse 5. Later on in John 12, verse 3, where Jesus is anointed again. Now, it says in verse 38 that standing behind him at his feet, she's weeping. So she began to, to wet his feet with her tears. Now, remember, when they reclined, they would lay on one of the sides, you know, and their feet would be pushed away from the table. So when these guests would come, they would surround the table. They'd be reclining around the pillows and eating different types of food. Now, behind them were the bystanders. So Jesus' feet were exposed to this woman who's standing behind him. Now, remember, it was a very customary thing to wash uh, guest feet after traveling on a dirty road. That was something that Simon did not offer Jesus. Now, Jewish men, particularly rabbis and Pharisees, they didn't speak to women in public. Remember, that was a law. However, this woman who was a prostitute, she brought quite a stir and an uneasiness uh, for Simon and his guests. Now, remember, uninvited people would come as bystanders. It was a great way for them to listen in, to get some insight politically, religiously from a lot of these prominent figures and a prominent home and a very well-respected person. So that was a great opportunity to also engage them from time to time. So that was customary. But to have a prostitute, that was something that was far more now that Simon can handle. One, it was having you know Jesus come, whatever, again, his motive and intent was. But we know that Jesus was very controversial. But not only to have Jesus there, but now to have a prostitute is extraordinary. So this action from the, the harlot, it, it was one that probably was stirring a lot of, of Simon's guests to become very uneasy and, and angered by this. But here's the neat thing. The action from this harlot, from this prostitute, is one that points to repentance. That's the indication that we get from this context and why I believe that, that, that Luke puts an end to his account is here is this woman who is far gone from God. The religious leaders despise her not just as a woman, but as a prostitute. We know that that's a very sinful behavior and she's just lost and she's turned to men and people have turned to her for all the wrong reasons, right? She's being probably uh, misused and abused. And yet she hears about Jesus and rather than you know, run away from Jesus, she feels that I can go to him. Isn't that interesting? So this passage here talking about this woman who encounters, who comes to Jesus and weeps at his feet is a point that we need to ponder and recognize how on earth did a woman who is this far in sin recognize that Jesus is the Messiah and yet Simon, who knew the Jewish scriptures, who knew the law, who was a prominent figure in the community, the Sanhedrin, had all these prominent guests and wealthy people. He was rejecting the truth and didn't even see Jesus as the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? So I, I say that, my friend, because if you're listening right now and you're not as educated as some, as some people out there and you've never written a book or gone to seminary, don't think that God can't use you. Certainly God can use you and he desires to and he wants to. And this is a great story. Remember, Luke was the, is the, the smartest man who wrote a gospel in comparison to Matthew, Mark, and John. You know, he didn't boast about it, but he's a very smart, very talented doctor, very talented in his historical accounts and that he wrote from Luke to the book of Acts, right? Part one and part two of the life of Jesus Christ in the early church. But you know what? Luke is just like anybody else. There's nothing extraordinary about Luke. 
God can use Luke. God can use Matthew. God can use Jonah. God can use Gideon. God can use Joseph. God can use Saul of Tarsus and he repents and he becomes Paul the apostle. God can use you. And so here, we don't know the backdrop of this woman's life, but she knew enough about Jesus and she came to Jesus. And yet this lavish banquet's put on for Jesus. And yet most of the people probably surrounding that table didn't even believe him to be the Messiah. So here you have this woman who's standing behind Jesus, his feet are exposed. She's probably looking at him and listening to him. And she begins to weep. Now, as I mentioned before, this woman lived a disgraceful lifestyle. But it was also a very shameful thing for a woman to let her hair down in public at the same time, especially when there are these prominent guests at this banquet and they're having a discussion of men. And she takes her hair down. She lets her hair down. And this phrase kissed is katafile. It's a Greek term that is used as a continual action, meaning the type of kissing of Jesus's feet was not a one-time thing. It was an act of tenderness and appreciation. This same word is used when the father greeted and kissed his prodigal son when he returned in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And when Judas Iscariot kissed Jesus in the garden upon betraying him in Matthew 26 and 49. Now, this Pharisee questions Jesus' authority now. He says, if this man in verse 39 were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is touching him. She is a sinner. So Simon knows about this woman. So this woman knows about Jesus. And we don't know why or how, but Simon knows that this woman is a sinner. So she probably had gotten out there a reputation, which was a very unfortunate, a bad one to say the least. But Simon even knows about this woman. And so Simon, he uses this encounter with the woman to draw the conclusion that Jesus, he can't be the prophet. So whatever, case closed now, based on this whole incident between this woman taking her hair down and of course using it to wipe Jesus's feet. So Jesus, instead of telling this woman to stop, he turns the attention now back to Simon because Simon's challenging Jesus, trying to discredit him. And he says in verse 40, Simon, I have something to say to you. So Jesus is going to use a parable about debt to point to forgiveness. Again, this points to the fact that Jesus knows the thoughts and doubts of Simon. He also knows what's going on in the room, and he wants to use this as an opportunity to share his forgiveness. He says, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Now, a denarius was a day's wages. So in this case, this one individual owed over 500. So almost two years worth of daily wages was owed this debtor. Then he says in verse 42, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? So rather than Jesus answer the question for himself, or make or respond in a rhetorical way, he calls Simon out. He asks Simon to answer the question about the parable. This was a great tactic uh, that Jesus used to get to the heart of the situation. This is something you see in Luke chapter 10, verses 36 and 37 as well. Now, Simon answers in verse 43. He says, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. Now, Simon is indifferent to Jesus's parable. And he responds in a very proud, arrogant way. Matter of fact, that's in the Greek when I looked it up. This phrase that Simon gives speaks to Simon being very haughty and aggravated by the situation and by Jesus calling him out publicly. So now he's feeling embarrassed and he is like probably red in his face 
so irritated by this whole thing, probably regretting now this was a bad choice and in inviting Jesus to this banquet and he's embarrassing me in front of my friends and my guests. In verse 43, however, Jesus doesn't call him out, put him down, look around pointing his finger. He just says, you have judged rightly. Jesus finds common ground with Simon. That's what he does here. So despite Simon's haughtiness and his mistreatment of Jesus, Jesus still engages Simon with grace. Now, what he does do in verses 44 through 47 is Jesus now rebukes the Pharisee from not extending that kind of forgiveness that he mentioned in the parable. He was aware of the truth in the parable, but it was something that he didn't practice. And remember, that was something very, very common among the Pharisees. They talked a big talk, but they walked a little walk. So in verse 44, it says, then turning toward the woman. So now when Jesus focused in on Simon for the comments that he made, he then focused his attention on the woman. And then he says to Simon, do you see this woman? This is huge, my friend. He wants Simon to look at this human being. This action would send any religious leader and respectable Jew over the top. And yet Jesus doesn't let custom interfere with his calling to save those who are sick. Jesus looks at this woman and he commands Simon to do likewise. What a powerful move by Jesus. What an amazing way for Jesus to say, you know, you think you're better than this person. Take a look at them. This person is made in my image. This person has come to me. Notice what Jesus says. He says, when I entered your house, Simon, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You see, my friend, Jesus responds to Simon by confronting him with his lack of common courtesy. The act of a host uh, preventing even his lowly servants to wash a guest's feet is beyond insult. So when Jesus accepted the invitation, that's saying a lot for Jesus that he's willing to go head on with people that, quite frankly, hate his guts. And I got to stop and and just think about it, my friend. What about us? I mean, what limits do we have? I mean, for good reason. There's good boundaries sometimes we got to put out there with certain people. But there's a lot, I, I, I believe, in my own life, and I'm sure in yours, where we just cut ties with people, that we don't extend grace. We don't give people the benefit of the doubt. We're not willing to go into a hostile environment because we just don't want to be put down or made fun of. Nobody wants to be made fun of. It's not like Jesus took pleasure in it. But in order to engage people who have a hard heart, who, who are bitter and who don't forgive, sometimes we got to bring that forgiveness to them and we just got to rub off on them and trust that God will do a work in their lives. Jesus says here in verse 45, he says, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased kissing my feet. Once again, it was a very common courtesy. Uh, it was a very common gesture, I should say, to greet a male with a kiss. Simon didn't even do that with Jesus. Not only that, in verse 46, Jesus says, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. This act was probably the most respectable when a person's head was anointed with oil, and yet none of these things occurred with Jesus. Simon blew Jesus off, and yet Jesus looks at this woman in verse 47. He says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has forgiven little loves little. See, once again, Jesus calls out the religious leaders for their lack of forgiveness. We see here that true worship is not the fact that Simon invited Jesus over to dine with him and therefore that was acceptable. No, true worship is weeping and washing the feet of Jesus. True worship is throwing away any earthly possession that might get in the way with us and Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want you. I don't want that. That's what this woman did. And even, the, even Simon couldn't do that. His status 
his reputation, his wealth, his power was more important. He was playing a game. That's what I believe when I look at this text with Jesus. He was trying to fool Jesus. And yet Jesus, knowing the thoughts and the tents of everyone's hearts and knowing that this woman was going to come, took him up for that opportunity because it was an opportunity for him to extend forgiveness, not just to the woman who had many sins. But think about it. Jesus was also extending himself to Simon, even though Simon treated Jesus that way. We see here in verse 48 that Jesus says to this woman, your sins are forgiven. Now we're told in John 5, 21 that only God can forgive sins. Now the crowd obviously asked that question, who is this even? He can forgive sins? Yes, because Jesus being the Messiah, he had the authority and the right to forgive people of their sins. Simon rejected this notion. Therefore, he mistreated Jesus and he could care less about the woman. And yet Jesus, he says, your faith has saved you. So not only was she forgiven, but she was saved that day. And he tells her to go in peace. See, oftentimes, my friend, like this woman, there are so many things that get in our way that we turn to in the world, thinking that money, pleasure, uh, fame, power, pride, all of that is going to bring us peace. Only Jesus can give us peace. And this woman was not the only one that Jesus restores. I think it's fascinating as I conclude this podcast that as Jesus gives us encounter of this prostitute for in Capernaum, he then tells us in the next chapter, verses one through three, as I read before, that was as Jesus was going out there proclaiming the good news, that there were the 12 with him, but there are also these other women. And one of them, he says was Mary Magdalene, who Jesus cast out seven demons. So I just find that cool that, you know, because a lot of times you get this image from the world out there that Jesus was a chauvinist pig, that Christianity is very sexist. When in fact, we see clearly right here as one passage, and there's many more we can look at, Jesus extends love to women. He extended love to all mankind. Didn't matter who you are, what you've done, Christ extends forgiveness to you. So my friends, as we conclude this podcast, if you've never received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, you, you can do that right here. When you're listening to the sound of my voice, you can confess your sins. You can believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that he died for your sins, that he was buried. And then on the third day, he rose again. Turn to the Lord. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe in his name, but you've been struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, you need to allow God to forgive you. You need to turn to him, confess your sins to him. He's the one that's faithful and just. He'll forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But as he does that, you are to leave your gift there at the altar and go be reconciled to other people in your life that you've either hurt or who have hurt you. Don't let bitterness or unforgiveness get the best of you. Don't be like Simon, but be like that woman who came and wept at the feet of Jesus and anointed his feet. She had many sins, but she turned to Jesus and Jesus looked at her and he forgave her. And Jesus is looking at each one of us and he's offering forgiveness. He's offering eternal life. He's offering you and me peace. So I love you, my friends. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next podcast. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.